Hey everybody, welcome to the Lone Star Under the Rising Sun podcast. I am Shay. This episode is a joint episode with Radri from the Why Come Japan podcast. So, uh, we will be interviewing each other on this podcast. It's uh, it's a very interesting concept. So, uh, we both had a lot of fun interviewing each other finding out about each other and why we both came to Japan and just our thoughts in general. We talk about a lot of different things from Japan to the J-vlogging community on YouTube to free speech to everything that you could possibly think of. It's a great show and I hope you guys enjoy it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy episode number 10 of Lone Star Under the Rising Sun podcast with Radri from Why Come Japan podcast. That's the uh, the English, right? Or what, what's your real name, man? My real name is Radley. Oh, Radley. Okay. Yeah. I, I could have guessed that, I guess, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me uh, hold on a second. Let me do the. I uh, guess I should say the the stuff. Say yeah. the words. Okay. okay. I'll do my intro. Sure. Welcome to another edition of Why Come Japan. I'm your host, Mr. Radley. Uh, uh, here on this show, where I interview creatives or creative people. Uh, but today on my show is podcaster, hiker, um, what, what other monikers can I give you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Any others? Podcaster, hiker, and just normal dude, I guess. Normal I, I dude. I don't really, I don't, I, I, as I've said in a previous podcast, I don't really do labels, but, uh, you know, I, I am what I am. You know what I mean? So yeah, do you do you. Yeah, do exactly. Me. And, uh, this is the also the Lone Star Under the Rising Sun podcast, and we're doing a joint podcast together, so this is great. Saves on time. Yeah, yeah. It, it saves us from doing two episodes separately, so. Indeed. Actually, no, I, I wanted to tell you this before we got into the thick of it, like the okay. thick of the interview. Sure. I, I have to say, you have like the perfect podcasting voice. Really? really? Like, I've, I'm, I'm I've, heard, I've heard that from like so many people, and I, I just... I, I don't know. I, I've never heard that before. So thank you. That, that's cool. That's cool. Well, let me put it this way: It's like if I had, if I wanted to have somebody like to narrate ASMR type videos, you know, <laughs> you'd be perfect. You know, Ooh, it's like I, I, I feel very calm. You know, yeah, when I'm listening yeah. to your voice, I don't feel this kind of like urgency or this sort of like. Mm. Um, it doesn't sound like like a person. Uh, a good example of somebody's like. Uh, Gilbert Godfrey. It's not like one of those kind of voices, you know. Well, I, I'm glad <laughs> I, like I don't sound like Gilbert Godfrey. That's uh, <laughs> I, I like Gilbert Godfrey, but uh, I, I would not want to sound like him. That's <laughs> could you imagine listening to his voice for an entire podcast? <laughs> you know, I would listen to one podcast from him, and then I would immediately shoot myself in the head, probably. So, <laughs> well, what would it be like? 
what's we were just mentioning a podcast before we started recording. Like you say, you watch Joe Rogan. Like if Joe Rogan had him on his podcast, would you listen to the entire thing? No, no. And like I said, I, I'm very selective with listening to his podcast these days. And uh, if I, I don't know, like I like Gilbert Gottfried enough uh, throughout my life to I would at least be interested in what he had to say. But God help me if I had to sit through three hours of listening to his voice. Same with like uh, Bobcat <laughs> Goldthwait, you know. Oh yeah, that guy also yeah. has a strange voice. Yeah, yeah. He's he's apparently a really good director now too. I I haven't seen any of his movies, but I've heard he's uh, he's quite skilled in that in that field as well. He did a movie called God Bless America, which I thought was just okay, but yeah, some people really liked it. Yeah, like I said, I haven't seen him, so I I have actually no clue what he what he makes movies about. But I've just heard through the internet grapevine that he's he's a director indeed yeah so tell me a bit about your background you're from texas and you've been in japan for how long um actually i just celebrated my 10-year japan anniversary if you want to call Jesus. it that uh two the weeks same ago. as me yeah oh really 10 years yeah well almost 10 years starting next year will be 10 years okay okay yeah i i first set foot in japan for my the very first time um, August 23rd, 2008. So, yeah, I, um, I've been here probably 95% of the time. I, I did go back to the States for a small bit of time, but I consider myself have, having lived in Japan for 10 years. So that's a long time. So that's like since 2008. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I got here in 2009. So you've been here quite some time. Yep. I, I was here before smartphones. Uh, it, it's weird to say <laughs> that, but, uh, you know. Um, yeah, right. I mean, yeah, you can say that. Yeah. Um, like everyone had what they call now Garake, which is like the old flip flip phones that some old people still use. But uh, uh, like my very first phone was a SoftBank sort of flip phone that that was that was a tough phone. It uh, there's a funny story about that phone that uh, I might get into later. But I, uh, if it weren't for SoftBank, I, I would have probably kept that phone for a long time. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm with SoftBank too. Mm. It's it's weird that they called them Garake phones. Like it's it's like Japanese. What do you what do you call that? It's like it's Galapagos, and yeah. K means like as the way you open it up or something. Yeah. It's um uh, I forgot what they call like the shortened um version, but they it's it's not only borrowed uh, from the outside like the guide eagle, but it's also like um uh, a shortened version of that. So for example, like Jimi Hendrix is Jimmy Hen, you know, like they they do shit like that here all the time. So it's yeah, uh, that's true. yeah. But so where where in Texas are you from? I mean. Um, I pretty much just say Dallas because that's the closest big city. Oh, okay. If, if, if I tell people where I'm from, most people go, "Huh?" You know, because it's it's such a small, <laughs> minuscule town. Um, we do have some claims to fame, actually. And in 2008, uh, we had a um, a na uh, in the U.S. a nationwide news coverage about a UFO sighting. Um, of okay. course, in the, in the South, in in you know, in hillbilly country, you're, you're going to see UFOs. But it was, Larry King did a whole show about it, so that was that was fun. Really? 
Yeah, and uh, we're famous for pretty much having a nice high school football team 20 years ago and um, having a lot of dairy and then the UFO thing. Other than that, no one gives a shit. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. But I, I pretty much just say Dallas. But I've lived in Houston as well, and that I really enjoyed that city. So I kind of I kind of claim Houston as well. Hmm. I see. Yeah. yeah no, I mean, because I've I've been to Texas before. I actually used to live there. Did you? Where about? Well, it was a long time ago. Before I had it, a memory. I was like four years old. So oh, okay. Memory of it probably. It was so in you... Houston, I think. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Was it Houston? Shit, I, I don't, I don't know. I have no memory. It was near the, uh, it was near Corpus Christi. Where is that? Is that Austin? Uh, no, Corpus Christi is kind of a bit south of Houston. It is on the coast, though. Um, was it Victoria? Do you live in Victoria? Maybe that's a, I'm not that's sure. A big spot in, in that area, Corpus Christi, Victoria. Yeah, um, I've lived all over the state, pretty much. But okay, yeah. How? Where? Where are you from originally? Uh, well, I was born in New York State, not New York City. Yeah. The other New York, as they say. Uh, but I lived majority of my life in Colorado, Colorado Springs. Oh, man. That's if, man, see, if I ever moved back to America, that's where I'd go is Colorado. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. I, I went there last year during the summer for 11 days, solo trip, and I just fell in love with the place. It was great. Rented a car and just drove around and fell in love with the state, you know? Yeah, I mean, especially if you're into nature, it's a great place. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. You're, always, you're always making podcasts about hiking, so. Yeah. I enjoyed it, man. It was, um, I felt, I felt uh, it was like a second home for me, just, just from being there for 11 days, you know, it was, it was great. Indeed. Yeah. But um, what's the, uh, uh, what, I, I have a question though. What, what yeah, originally sure. brought you to Japan? What originally brought me to Japan? Actually, I was going to yeah. ask you the same question. <laughs> we we can let answer me, both. Let me, let me ask you this. Sure. When you do your interviews, because you've recently just started changing the format of your show yeah. to where you've... Okay, before it was just you solo or you're talking, and now it's uh, you have guests. Mm -hmm. um, what prompted that? Were you just tired of talking to yourself? Or <laughs> well, <laughs> like to be honest, um, you know, until people started saying things about me having um, a, a, a nice voice for this thing, I, I honestly didn't think that I had quite a, a nice voice. Um, I uh, It got to the point where, you know, I, I used to make YouTube videos before I um, cleansed my channel. And okay. I, always, I always felt a bit, uh, honestly, I just felt a bit awkward doing videos, you know, so I, I was never really comfortable looking at a camera doing that. But for some reason, just talking into a microphone just feels natural to me. Um, but I just felt it was a little bit um, self-serving or self-centered if I just focus entirely on things I wanted to talk about. So I, I wanted to actually honestly showcase, my goal was to showcase other people who've come to Japan and what they do and what their motivation was for coming to Japan and showing people that there's so many different opportunities of things to do in this country. The image is, you know, come here and teach English or, you know, that there's like usually 
two images of Americans or uh, Westerners, sorry, Westerners in Japan, and that's uh, uh, English teacher or uh, in the military. And I wanted to actually showcase people who have come here and branched out and done other things. Not only, I mean, English teaching is fine because I still somewhat do that, but it's, um, I, I just wanted to show other people that, you know, if you're, if you're ever thinking about coming to Japan, you can do almost anything here. It's, it's, it's a, especially for a Westerner, your, your, oppor your options and opportunities are, are vast in this country. You're not just limited to one small section in the job market, you know? Yeah, that's very true. I mean, I read a book one time called Freelancing in Tokyo once. Hmm. And they said the one great thing about living in Japan is Japan will pay you to get better at the thing it is that you want to do. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Like whether it is you want to become a better musician, like maybe you could play in live houses because I need somebody to play music or uh, just, I mean, just the various kind of stuff, like whatever it is you're trying to get better at, you can find outlets that'll help you uh, mold your craft, so to say. Right. And now with the internet, you can, man, like people don't understand. I, I think a lot of people don't understand the vast opportunity that the internet opens up for, for people to just do whatever they want. Um, how old are you, if I may ask? No, that's fine. 31. 31. Okay. Yeah. So I, I'm 33. So we're around the same age. Okay. And so you remember a time before the internet was really big. Yeah. Maybe even before, like, do you remember, like, getting your first computer and hooking up to the internet and all that stuff, right? Yeah, and you had to, like, yeah. use a phone and everything. Yeah, yeah. Tell so get off the phone. Yeah. yeah so we, co we come from a time where we were, we remember time pre-internet. Obviously, the internet was around, but it, it wasn't mainstream. But we remember a time pre-internet, and we remember a time, we, we, we pretty much grew up when the internet was becoming important in the world and now it's you can't you can't imagine a world without the internet right oh so, yeah it's ubiquitous you know right so for me it's such a cool thing that you can like for me it's it, the internet is such an awesome thing because um of what it has become you know and, and younger people who've grown up with just having the internet already in its kind of current state don't really get that you know what i mean so like the opportunities are out there to just do anything you want. And it, it's, it's opened up so much um, for a lot of people, I think. Yeah. It's become a really interesting beast the last couple of years. Oh yeah. Definitely yeah. evolved into a strange thing. I can say that much. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I would agree with you on that. It's, it's, um, it's kind of become its own entity in a way, you know, like, we, I, not to say that we've ever really controlled it, but there are people who have realized of what it's become and they're trying to control it now, you know, with, um, in, in, at least in the U.S. with the recent uh, net neutrality thing. And, you know, uh, there's, there's just so many people who, one, either understand its power of what it can do and want to keep it that way, or two, don't want to keep it that way and want to control it for themselves and control the flow of information for people. So, mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, indeed. Uh, 
Well, I guess I'm going back to your question about why I came to Japan. Since the show is called Why Come to Japan, and yeah. everybody kind of always asks that, and that's fine. I mean, it's you know, it's a conversation starter. You know, yeah. I mean, some foreigners hate hearing it, but who cares? I mean, you're a guest, you know. But exactly, you're, you only uh, you only hate it when you get asked it the thirtieth time in the same night. You know. Uh, I don't know. I usually like getting asked the same questions because sometimes I can like. I can think about better answers. Like you can, sometimes I say certain answers. And I'm like, eh, that wasn't, that really didn't fulfill like what they probably wanted to hear mm. or that didn't really, you know, uh, make the conversation go anywhere. You know, it was just kind of right. a dead ended conversation. Like it's a yes or no answer, you know? Yeah. Uh, no, to answer the question, I'll answer it differently this time. Cause I always say it the same way. Uh, what brought me to Japan was, I guess, the connection that people had to uh, Japan, like just general people. I mean, like people like, I'm going to mention filmmakers like um, Quentin Tarantino or Ridley Scott. And they, there's just pieces of Japan that related a lot to them and they've gotten something out of it. And it made them, I guess you want to, I guess I could say more exotic. I'm not mm. sure. And that's part, partially why I wanted to go there. Just go somewhere that was vastly different than the rest of the world yeah yeah i i completely i completely understand that that's part of the reason why i came here as well that just that exact reason it's just it was so different than what i was used to growing up in you know so i, I wanted to experience something very alien to mm -hmm. what i was used to you know yeah there's definitely that um all right so i, I was doing some research while i was uh Oh, actually, that brings me up another question I wanted to ask you. Yeah. So, so when you do these interviews, do you just start talking, or do you like have a script, or do? You... No, I um, I don't have a script at all. I uh, I pretty much I have a set of uh, like a format that I that I want to follow, but okay. it's, it's a very loose format. So basically, I just want to get into the mind of the guest. Number one when they came to Japan, number two, why they came to Japan, kind of like your, um, your concept, but then, uh, you know, number three and what they, what they do now and how they came to do what they do now in Japan. And it doesn't matter if they've been here one year or 10 years. I just, I want to see what their journey was. And, uh, like I discussed with a previous guest, um, you know, I feel everyone who's an expat in Japan and, actually just an expat anywhere in the world, we all can kind of relate in some way. You know, it doesn't matter what any sort of political or religious or any sort of views you have in that regard. You can relate to an expat in some way because they have a bit of a free spirit and, and vagabond sort of feeling, you know? They, they want to travel somewhere. They want to get away from what they were used to. And uh, I always find that fascinating, like the reason why people do the things that they do, you know? So that's, that's kind of basically how I go about it. And wherever the conversation goes after that is I leave it really up to the guests. I just want to let the guests um, talk about themselves and, and, you know, what, what their motivations for doing what they do are, you know, I guess I, I've just always been really interested in human psychology that way. Yeah, yeah. Did you study psychology in college? Um, not as a major or a minor, but I took a lot of psychology classes as um, 
what do you call it? Um, what what's the extra classes you can take just to get credits? What was that called? Uh, mandatory oh. classes. I don't know. Not not mandatory. Uh, They're not mandatory. But, but you take them to um, to supplement the rest of your to like fill out the rest of your curriculum. God, uh, it's, it's been so long since I've curriculum in... core classes. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Well, anyway, I um, I outside of my core classes that I was required to take, I just filled them up with psychology and political science and you know things that i was interested in you know those type of classes i see well like because usually when you go to japan they like especially if you want to get like an english job kind of like a starter job before you move yeah. on to other things they usually want like a degree of some kind i studied communications so yeah. that was good um, enough i mean you I, get a degree pretty much anything they'll will take you so in japan yeah that that's the thing that you know, a lot of people don't realize is you don't need an English certification or anything to, to get an English teaching job in this country. You just need a college degree pretty much. And then in some cases, you don't even really need that. It's, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend you try to do it because you're, you're in for, you know, a harder struggle to get into this country, but you know, it is possible, but having an English or sorry, having a, a college degree is really all that's required for you to uh, to get a job here in Japan, um, native English speaker also helps as well. If if that's what you're going for, what did you major in? Uh, I started off with computer science programming, really? okay. and I I was never a good uh, math student at all. I mm -hmm. I um, I just got those out of the way. Got my got my solid B in college algebra and said, forget the rest of that, you know? But yeah. then I, when I started really getting into programming, I realized, yeah, a lot of logic and, and, and math is kind of required for to, you know, to just kind of follow it. So instead of, this is the mistake I made there was instead of actually just putting my nose down and, and saying, you know, forget that I hate it and just do it so I can get better at something that I do like. I just gave it all up and I switched to another topic that I like and that's history. So I switched to a history degree. Come to find out that's pretty much a useless degree unless you want to be a history teacher or work at a museum. And or I a lawyer. Or, yeah, um, which I never considered that, but history teacher and a museum curator, neither of those sounded very interesting. In interesting to me at all so i said well I, after i graduated i said now what do i do you know <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah no I, I had a bit big interest in history as well i almost majored in it but i, I kind of wanted to graduate so i didn't do it <laughs> yeah man for me history was just a gimme thing like i could just sit in the in the in the class not take a single note and just absorb what the professor was saying and ace the tests you know the essay tests at the end of the semester um that's just how interested i was in the in the subject you like never took any notes or anything not in my history courses no in in other courses i did um so i could study but history i just i pretty much just listened and yes yeah, that is true i remember we had this one student in our class and our teacher referred to him as john the tutor and he had like this crazy hair Huh. He never took any notes. He just sat there and listened very intentively. It's yeah. almost kind of like it was he was very studious yet creepy, 
but <laughs> but um studious yet creepy i, I can probably recall both. you know several people that i went to college with that that were like that so yeah but like not creepy to the point where like he's unapproachable mm. just sort of like oh this guy's a little strange yeah oh, okay <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that's you i'm just saying that yeah. you know um like when i think of people who don't actively like take notes in class and they're very intent and they're listening like either one their listening skills are really really good because like you're you're an english teacher right you yeah um you do I, Kiowa or what what's your background well, right now I manage two schools. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so I've kind of started filling in that role, but I'll still occasionally um, teach some lessons. So, mm -hmm. um, kids and adults. So, yeah, but I, that's what I started off doing was was English teaching. So that's um, that's how I got my start here, and that's what I've evolved into doing. What I do now is uh, into managing schools. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just going to bring up that uh, sometimes, like when you when you like you're teaching kids, a lot of the times they're just they're not paying attention to you. Like even, maybe even adults too. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So it's just sometimes like whenever I meet somebody who 100% listens to like what I'm saying, I'm almost kind of shocked almost. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I'm not saying that they shouldn't do that. It's just. Um, I, I do feel like I'm, I have a presence in the room, which which feels rewarding in a way. But yeah, for for me, it, it, being an English teacher was the last thing I ever thought I would be. Well, when I say English teacher, let, let's make it very clear: uh, a lot of English teaching in Japan is is not like English teaching that you would understand in you know back home. Um, what I kind of focus on is getting my students to speak that's uh, how right. i approach english teaching so i try and limit the amount of time that i speak in the class as much as possible only to facilitate their conversation you know what i mean mm -hmm. uh, um that's that's my philosophy in it anyway so um yeah usually asking like open-ended questions and yeah. uh, ones that don't have yes or no answers yeah, it can be a challenge sometimes. I mean, like I was so used to living in America for a long time, where just the people they won't stop talking, or they, <laughs> well, not not to be negative, I shouldn't be negative, but I'm just to the point where like they knew how to carry a conversation, even though they didn't know they were carrying a conversation really well. What what I've come to understand is Americans, especially, do not like awkward silences, but okay. other cultures are okay with that. And that's just something that I still don't like, but I've I have to un, I have to understand that some cultures are okay with 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 silence sometimes, you know. And um, hmm. so yeah, that I, is true. Yeah, I guess I never thought of it that way. Yeah, it, it man, it, it has taken me literal years to to come to understand these <laughs> some things, you know. If I if I go back and look at myself from ten years ago. Just starting in this, uh, I would slap myself like, "Dude, you're you're com you're doing this completely wrong." But you know, everyone everyone is a beginner at something at some point, so you can't can't be too harsh on noobs <laughs> too much, you know. Yeah, um, well, because I teach children who are returnees, and it's very interesting yeah. teaching kids that have come from different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. um, for example, like whenever I get 
students from the U.S., they're always very talkative. But eventually they stop being so talkative once they come to live back here in Japan. Mm -hmm. Or I have ones from uh, Europe who are somewhat, I don't know. I mean, I'm generalizing like hell here, but... <laughs> um, You're going by your experience. you know. Yeah, so. I'm going by my experience. Uh but yeah, that's definitely a thing. I de I see I see what you're saying. Is is that uh, silences are obviously a thing that exists in Japan. And it's not considered awkward, or you think it is awkward, or what do you think? Um, like I said, I, I've come to accept it as not awkward. I still feel awkward just because I'm culturally conditioned to not enjoy a, an awkward silence, but. If everyone around you is is not feeling uncomfortable, then you, um, you know, I've just become aware that they're not, you know. Um, it's one skill that I've learned from living here is how to observe and read other people's body language, mm -hmm. and and to show that demonstrate that what they actually feel and what they say is, might be different, you know. So. Uh, as you do, you, you know you understand the concept in Japan of honne and tatemai, right? Like oh, the, right, yeah. Like the I'll real, the real feeling versus the mask that that's put on, right? So yeah, being around that for as long as I have, you know, I've I've come to try and observe when someone is telling me the truth or not, and I'm I still may not always get it, but I've become better at reading that. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, it's a little bit of a learning curve, or at least I did. I went mm. through that. Uh, <laughs> even like the dating scene here in Japan, there's a quite the steep. Well, not steep. It was a, it was a learning curve. I'll tell you, I'll say that. It's it's very different. You're right. No, yeah. takes some getting used to. I mean, what are all those like? You read all those things on the internet about how uh, language learning, and they always say learning Japanese is the hardest. Is it? I I don't know, man. Like I I struggled through Spanish for twelve years in school, and I still I know I I retained a little bit of it, but I taught myself Japanese in a few years, you know, and like half the time it took me to get just remedial Spanish. So it, it, I think it just depends on what your focus is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. It, like I didn't want to learn Spanish, but I wanted to learn Japanese. That was my motivation. So, at least you can read Spanish. <laughs> so, I mean, sometimes because like you have to do like the whole. There's a method called the Hasek method. Did you ever use it to learn Japanese? Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, what when I first moved here, I I was just kind of wading around in deep waters, pretty much. I threw myself in. I knew very. I, I knew less than a percent of the language here. I knew you know what words you learn back home, food and, and pop culture stuff. And so I came here, and within the first month, I guess I, I went to some volunteer classes, mm -hmm. and I started asking some of the other students, so how long have you been in Japan, and how long have you been studying in this course? They're like, uh, like been in Japan 10 years, but I've been at this course for two, and they're still going over, like, greetings. And I said, well, if... if these people have been here this long and they've been in this class for this long and they're still going over greetings. I do not need to be here because this is not where I come to learn. So I took the book that the, that the teacher gave and I just went on my own with it. And 
I just through research, I found on the internet, I found a, a method called AJET, a, all Japanese all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know that guy. Yeah. And I knew that guy. I don't see him anymore. Is he still in Japan? He's still in Japan. I forgot what he's doing now. Yeah. I'm sure he's I mean, making bank off of his website is what he's doing. So <laughs> He did, but he, he's very smart. I mean, I don't know exactly what he's up to, though. Yeah. He's very... I'd actually like to talk to that guy. He, he's very... He, he motivated me to, to learn the language, so he he's indirectly helped me come to where I'm at. So, But he... Um, anyway, I, I took that and I learned about Heisig through him, and mm -hmm. I kind of modified... Ajet and Hasig to fit my own style, so I, I modified it to make it my own way. You know what I mean? So that's yeah, how I learned. Definitely, yeah, definitely helps. I mean, because sometimes like you, you read the stories, and the stories kind of help to like paint a picture of like what each character means. It's it's really freaking time consuming, but I mean, maybe that's why they say it's, it's the longest one to learn. Yeah. Well, I took the I I I still have the A. The uh, Hasek book, I think, uh, yeah, I may still have it. I don't know if I have it here. I may have left it uh, back in America when I moved back for a short time. But um, I started off doing the, the Hasek method, making the stories, and I, and I thought, man, this is just too time-consuming. So what I did was... It really is. I, I looked at kanji as, like, Legos in a way, like building blocks, and... Yeah, I all can the see radicals that. that made up something. I knew. Okay, well, this one has something to do with this, right? So, um, but then I found this website called I know, like small i and then the word K N O W. I know. It was free at the time, mm -hmm. and now it's a pay. It's a pay service, but they basically had uh, an electronic flashcard system with audio and full. Um, sentences oh yeah i know that thing yeah. yeah and it would do the srs method so like you would grade yourself on how well you remembered whatever it taught you and you would see the ones that you had trouble with more often and the ones that were easier were more spaced apart so um what, what's the srs it's like um spaced repetition or something and i just studied the hell out of that for a while and then I imported it all all of it into a program called Anki which is um, a, a, an electronic flashcard system program that you can download and I just beasted that every single morning I'd get up I'd get my breakfast and coffee and I would just do that before I went to work I, I wouldn't like watch TV or surf the internet I would just do that and after that, I wouldn't really touch much Japanese, you know, throughout the day, other than what I had to interact with people with, you know? Yeah, I mean, once you have a good system, it's it's nice to do some studying. It feels a little bit rewarding. Mm -hmm. I started getting back into it recently with this new program yeah. uh, through Tofugu. You know Tofugu? Yep. yep. Uh, he has this new website, or this kanji, one where you can study kanji called uh, Wani Kani, which is pretty good. It's kind of fun, like good to kill time if you're if you feel like you're struggling on your kanji. Mm -hmm. Especially, it's like if I go to the doctors or if I go to uh, the tax office, 
they hand me this paper with all these huge kanji and i'm like i have no idea what that is <laughs> you know i don't know if you maybe you're i'm not sure what your kanji level's at but i still stress up that stuff out that's the like, first thing i taught myself man like yeah. after hiragana katakana i just beasted the hell out of kanji for months until right. i was comfortable with sight kanji and then i started reading actual japanese with furigana which mm -hmm. is like it has the little hiragana next to it so i knew how to say the words but once i understood kind of the meaning of the kanji and read the furigana it just sort of slowly came to me and right. um, there's still kanji i come across where i'm like yeah i'm not sure what that means but i can kind of guess from the stuff around it what it means yeah, and yeah. i just kind of go my you know i just kind of wade my way through it and if i don't understand i'll just ask the person and i said what this specific kanji what does it mean and they'll explain to me and i'm like oh okay and then uh i'll kind of write it down on a little notepad and i'll take it back and and if i want to study it i will if not i'll i'm i just tell myself i'll see it again so you know i'll ask again if i i've come to not really give a damn anymore if i make a mistake it's like oh oops you know i'll just uh, relearn it somewhere else you know yeah that's true yeah. uh because like when i first started learning japanese i only mostly just learned because like man i can't talk to anybody here i can't talk to the guy in the combini i can't articulate myself this is annoying mm -hmm. you yeah. know <laughs> i'm not sure if you went through the same thing oh but, hell yeah dude i mean th that's the worst feeling in the world is when you can't communicate with somebody you know and you don't want to be like this kind of caveman holding up a pigeon going you know like that sort of thing you know it's so embarrassing yeah yeah <laughs> uh, man. how would you rate yourself now would you say you're like 100 comfortable you like you feel like yes japan well, like has become you now well i'll say this i i didn't take the the japanese language proficiency test at all until uh, yeah until about six years in and then I started, my very first one was level two, mm -hmm. and I passed it. Oh, and then, congrats. Yeah, and after that, I thought, well, I'll study for level one, and I studied for level one a bit, but I didn't take level one, and since then, I've just sort of stopped studying because I use it in my everyday life now, like, you know, with uh, some of my employees at, at my job who speak no English, I, I have to speak Japanese to them. I have to write Japanese emails. So for me, that has become my study is just using it in my everyday life. So that being said, uh, I'd like to get back into studying just to see. But, you know, now that I, I speak it, write it and read it every day, it, it I don't really need to study anymore. Um, I've been able to find my own apartments, do car insurance, car um, inspection, all, all the important day-to-day -day life bullshit you got to deal with, I can get through. So for me, I'm not perfect at it. I'll probably never be perfect at it, but I'm comfortable enough to where I can uh, kind of manage my way through uh, any situation that, come, that I come across, I would say. Yeah. How about you? Uh, well, I don't know. I'd say quite the opposite, actually. I mean, well, not 100%. I mean, I'm not, I haven't really taken the JLPT at all. Mm -hmm. uh, I, th I think part of what it is, is, or at least I think a lot of like foreigners in Tokyo, um, even partially myself as well, 
like a lot of them kind of really struggle with learning Japanese because most people in Tokyo, they only really want to speak English. Right. And they just, they can't be bothered with, you know, uh, you know, well, it's like sometimes like I go to like restaurants and they automatically just start speaking to me in English. I'm like, okay, so we're speaking English. All right. You know, I'm not going to be rude, you know? <laughs> so then I start, and then I realize like this, this person's, this person's English is really, really annoying me, you know? Where That's when you switch to Japanese. Yeah. Yeah. And I usually switch to Japanese and I get the job done, but, uh, sometimes there's certain things like I can't articulate cause I get caught up in other stuff cause uh, like I'm, I mean, I've listened to older podcasts of yours and you've always talked about how you're kind of against the idea of living in a big city like Tokyo. Yeah. You, you liked it, but you would never want to live here. That's right. That, that, that's, uh, that, that's what you said, right? Yeah. That, that's just me with, with cities in general. Like I lived okay. in, I lived in Houston and while I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. I, I did not love it. You know, um, it was just dealing with too many people, too much traffic. It, it was just not my environment. I, I'm really more at home in a smaller, smaller place. Um, uh, and Tokyo just happens to be a very, very large metropolitan area. That's why I don't enjoy it, uh, to the same extent that other people do. So, yeah, Nothing like, against there Tokyo are... in its no, no, no. It's just that's just me, you know. Like I feel like you're at least from people I've met, I'd have like a I would have more of an interesting experience living in the countryside because I would have less uh things to do. You know, I'd have more time to just focus on my studies. But Yeah, I I get you what you're saying. That. Um that it, this the city I live in is not small by any means. It's you know a city of 500,000 people, but for Tokyo people, that's the countryside, you know? So, mm -hmm. uh, but it is quite boring if you're used to a city like Tokyo. Mm -hmm. I would say that. Yeah, it is quite boring in that sense. So you, you make your own entertainment sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it was quite the juxtaposition from like where I lived in America. I lived in Colorado where you pretty much needed a, a car just to get anywhere. I mean, you could walk to certain places in town. They'd take you about 30 minutes, mm. like walking distance. But uh, like, I, I just got so used to just not having everything at my convenience. It was a little odd, but I don't know. Part of, part of me wants to stay here and part of me would like to go to the countryside. Right. Whereabouts in Colorado were you from? Uh, Colorado Springs, if you know where that oh, is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that's actually... Red Rock Canyon was like my favorite place in Colorado. So, well, I, I tell people Colorado Springs, but I actually lived in a place called uh, Green Mountain Falls, which is a little more up in the mountains. Okay. And then we moved to, uh, well, my parents moved to a place called Woodland Park. Yep. I, I drove through Woodland Park. That was a cool place. Yeah. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, but don't have a business there because everything goes <laughs> business because it's like one of those drive by cities. Well, Man, it's changed though. Um, I would I would say, <laughs> really, in the past uh, six years, mm -hmm. Colorado has completely changed. Have you been back there? Yeah, I've been back a couple yeah. of times. I mean, okay. You're talking about the marijuana law, right? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah that that has changed the the state completely. I mean, there's so yeah, many businesses and people opening up there. So that's um, it's definitely it. The downside is it's making real estate there super expensive, but 
you know, it's, that is what it is. But um, I, I just noticed places were just under construction everywhere. I mean, just stuff being built everywhere. So it, it's definitely becoming a, a booming state with a lot of outsiders coming in. I know a lot of Colorado ites. Uh, I don't, what do you call it? Coloradoans? Colorado, really I think like it's Colorado. Outsiders invading their state, but uh, that's... Yeah, there's a couple of bumper stickers going around. It's like, say stuff like, don't Californicate Colorado or something. Those California people are moving to Texas too, man. So I, are they? I mean, we, okay. we, uh, we understand Texan people from Texas understand the same sentiment, you know? So, hmm. Nothing well, against people from California. I like California. I just, um, it's like Tokyo. It's like, I love visiting cities there, but because of the, for California, because of like the cost of living, the taxes and all that, it's just, I, I would never live there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd consider it, but that's, I'm not in particularly interested in going back to the States, at least not right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, San Diego was great. I love San Diego when I went there, but you know, that's a very expensive city. If you, if you live there. Pretty much all of California is expensive, unless it's like nowhere near the coast. I think. Yeah, but yeah. Who knows? But um, so, what um, you came here? Uh, what did you start off doing when you moved to Japan? What it was the first thing? Well, I mean, I came here originally for college. Maybe I should mention that. Oh, I originally yeah. okay. I should, came here for four real things. I said this on the last episode with uh, Simon Nochanima. If you know who that is, um, he was just in chat there. Uh, yeah, I know Simon. Hey, Simon. Uh, I think he's gone now. He had to oh. go do something. But um, there's really three things. One was college. Number two was I'm like I'm quarter Japanese, so I want to know, know more about my heritage. Three was um, I wanted to live somewhere overseas, you know, somewhere that wasn't the U.S. and wasn't. Mexico or Canada that yeah. really felt like it was overseas. Um, yeah. And, and I also wanted to finish, I guess when I, I said college, so I guess just three. Oh no, no, no. Fourth one was I was interested in film and I was okay. interested in Japanese movies. So that's like my main motivation for living here. Are you a Kurosawa fan? I am a Kurosawa fan. That's actually what I started out with. Good. Yeah. Started yeah. out with uh, seven samurai that went off to the Yojimbo and then, Sanji Hudo, then Rashomon. Yeah. And then other Japanese filmmakers and some more modern ones. Met a few of them in real life. Right. Yeah. That man, that's cool. Um, Ron and Dreams are still some of my, my favorites from Kurosawa. His later, some of his later films are quite special to me. But yeah, really good color, huh? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Sorry. I'm, my, <laughs> I, went, I went through a phase of being a, bit of a film nerd too so i uh, i enjoy some good classic cinema yeah good classic cinemas yeah. uh it's good but um okay so i want to ask you you i saw that you wrote a book called how to move and work in japan this is on amazon i did i did um it's it was my first foray into writing so i it's um it's a good guide of how to get here it's a bit technical so it's not really um telling a story or anything there's some parts that are a bit of a narrative so that's cool but it's really just a a step-by-step how-to guide of 
companies that are that are good to apply to to get here if you want a quick way in and the two some of the basic bare bones tools that you'll need it's made for like absolute newbies who mm -hmm. have no clue what to do how to get to japan um and like i said i'm not i'm not a uh trained writer or anything so it was my first my first di uh toe dip into that so may not read the best but it's uh from people who have purchased the book they they have said that it's very helpful so that's good Huh, yeah, it looks like it was per I was looking up here on Amazon. Mm. You wrote it in 2016. That's rather mm -hmm. recent. Mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, I mean, what motivated you to make it? It was it just like you was something you wish that you had or Yeah, like I mean I wouldn't trade what I did for anything, but it is nice to kind of have a guide to to know what to do to learn from and the even throughout the various stages of my YouTube channel I've always had the mind of trying to help people who want to come here and because if I could do it I thought anyone could do it and I wanted to show that so YouTube videos uh, the book and now the podcast I mean these are just different outlets for me to to do that, to, to help people who want to come here for whatever reason, whatever reason they have, doesn't matter to me. Um, I just want them to know that you can do it. You know, it's, it, it sounds like kind of motivational fluff bullshit, but it's true. I mean, I, I'm a firm believer that if you set your mind to do something, you can accomplish it. And, um, you just have to have the motivation and the drive to do it, you know? So true. I yeah. mean, uh, what is it? I mean, uh, what is it? You had a, I mean, sometimes I've like, I've often thought about writing books, but I never really, this is only a digital book, right? Or is it a it print? Is, yeah, it's Kindle only. Um, I haven't thought about making it a paperback or anything. Okay. Uh, so it like became this popular. It did uh, it. If it became more popular, oh, if I, it became popular, I see. Yeah, it's not. It's not exactly a bestseller, but <laughs> it does. It does get a steady, a steady. Um, what, what should I say? A, a steady stream of purchasers. I guess there there is a steady stream of customers that that buy the book. So, um, but if it became more popular, I would I would consider that. I, I have considered writing more books. Uh, just to one to hone my skill because it's a skill that I'd like to improve on, and uh, two, there are different areas, more fo more focused areas that I'd like to talk about as well. So, yeah, no, I mean that's writing books about. I mean, you didn't. Oh, let me ask you this: did, you didn't write it for like one person in particular, did you? No, no, I I just had the the general person who would like to come to Japan in mind. Okay, because like you, you said that you manage a Kaiwa places. It wasn't like something like, man, here's this noob. I really wish he had some advice. You know? No. Um, wasn't anything like that? No, to be honest, the the people that work, work for me, um, they have no clue about the book or anything. So um, they're actually 
doing quite all right for they 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 have a much better head on their shoulders than I did when I first came here. So in 10 years, I'm, I'm curious to see where they'll be when they're, you know, I would say they're about two years into it mm-hmm. and they're at the level that I was about five years into it. So, I mean, they're, they're a little bit ahead of the game. So it's, it's kind of cool seeing some people who are really switched on in that sense, you know? Right. Yeah. Okay, so I I kind of wanted to talk about like who motiv- motivated you to make YouTube videos because you said that well, we were talking off the record here, so to say, uh, about how you used to have like tons of videos on YouTube about hiking and yeah yeah. So, um, to be honest, my goal was never to be a J vlogger. Like that's not something that I was really I I, I didn't even know about it about that scene, so to speak, and until I started making YouTube videos about living here. Um, but once I started doing videos, I started noticing recommended videos from other Japan-based YouTubers, and so I started following some of them. Um, one guy, Kurt Bell, he was, um, really motivating for the hiking. I always just yeah. enjoyed his, his hiking videos just out in Japan. And now Softy he's Papa. Yeah. Yeah. Softy Papa. He's out in uh, California now. And, um, he was really into like philosophy and, and thinking. And I, I find a lot of hikers are very similar, have a very similar mindset because when you're out there in the wilderness, you have a lot of time to just think about things. And, um, I, I related to that. So those hiking videos were, were inspired by him, I guess. The, um, the other videos I made were more not based on, were not um, influenced by any other J vloggers, so to speak. It was just my own motivations for coming, and I wanted to share that. So so you mean there's nobody like that said man i want to make a video just like that guy you just sort of you just kind of had this motivation that like that made you want to record your experiences or yeah, yeah pretty much okay That's, yeah uh I, I mean of course i i watched a lot of people but and there were certain camera tricks or certain things that i thought oh that's kind of cool maybe i'll try that but it, it wasn't necessarily um i wanted to role model after a certain person that that wasn't it yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. When was the first time when you started noticing people in Japan making videos like yourself? After I started uploading. you Actually, to be honest with you, the first YouTube video I uploaded was before uh, I had already been to Japan. Mm-hmm. And I moved back to the States. And it was when I was still in that transition coming back to Japan. I was really into Japanese study at the time. So I was I was getting books and I did a book review on a book that I had bought in Japan, made for Japanese learners in Japan. I did a book review, and there was a guy I followed, um, God, I forgot his, I, Moses something, but he's, uh, I forgot his YouTube, Lao Shu something, but he, he's, he's a polyglot. He speaks so many languages. Polyglot is someone who speaks more than two or three languages, I think. Oh, and I didn't know that. Yeah, he he's a guy. I don't th- I don't know if he's lived abroad, but his wife is Chinese, but he okay. lives in he lives in America and he just 
he has he, he is self-taught over 30 languages i believe and really? he makes videos where he calls leveling up where he just goes and speaks to native speakers of a particular language and these are like one to two hour long videos well back then back in 2010 i believe is when i made my first youtube video um he was doing some reviews and that's i guess that particular video was a motivation for me to put up, put one up and and uh, he saw it and he enjoyed it so I, I guess i was in like the language study niche at the beginning but then i kind of branched out once i came back so branched out from language study to more general stuff about japan and and exploring i was all about it, about exploring Right. I mean, we talked a little bit off the record again here. <laughs> well, we didn't talk that much. We just talked a little bit through text, but <laughs> we were talking about a podcast that, or I was talking about a podcast that you made where you're, we were talking about the J vlogging community. Oh and yeah. What's your opinion on all that? Uh, well, it's as a whole. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I, I, I've mentioned it before. But, yeah, I couldn't find this podcast for the life yeah. of me. I mean, I'll I'll probably find it here right after this, but I'll, I'll be completely hundred percent honest. I want you to be honest. So. Yeah, I don't have a personal problem with any person who makes J vlogs. Mm -hmm. That's just not what I want to do. Oh, and yeah, that's, I don't, that's I don't not think anybody something does. I want to relate to. Like, if you want to make a video about some strange food you found at a conveni or some Pokemon festival you went to or something like that, by all means, if, if that's what you're interested in, showcase it. To me, that's cool. If that's what you're into, I'm, I'm all for people promoting things that they like to do. Mm -hmm. That's just not my scene. And what I found and I'm glad that I didn't join in on this is there's a lot of, it's very clickish in the J vlogging scene. And, yeah. and I, I honestly, I'm like, you know, I'm done with high school bullshit. I'm an adult now. I don't want to be a part of stupid bullshit like that. So um, no offense to, to people in the J vlog community, but I just don't want to be a part of it. And just because I'm, I make videos and podcasts in Japan doesn't mean I'm a part of that. If, if, sorry, if that makes me a part of that group, then so be it. But that's not my goal is to be a part of that group. So I, I have no allegiance to it. I have no, I'm, I'm very, I wouldn't say apathetic. I'm just indifferent to it, you know? So. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the interesting thing about, I mean, life on the internet nowadays. We were talking about this at the beginning of the show, mm. but it just seems like there's a lot more money in being offended nowadays. <laughs> like, oh yeah, oh you know yeah. What I'm yeah. saying it's just it, like like there wasn't this before. I mean, I think the only reason why there's more money in it is probably because these companies on the internet, like newspaper, not just newspapers, but uh, I don't know, gossip channels, whatever. They just need more content, right? And so what's mm -hmm what gets people's attention is that somebody was offended by one thing and it gets to this point where like the stuff on Twitter, I mean, which I like Twitter cause you always get updates and everything. And I'm slowly getting more into it than I am than using Facebook. I'm kind of growing away from Facebook recently, 
but like with Twitter, it's it's just sort of like there's all the soundbite information that you don't really get the full context of what everybody's yeah. talking about. I, I understand exactly what you're saying, and I've kind of moved in the same exact direction that you have. I've I've kind of left Facebook in the dust. To me, Facebook is like third tier for me, but I've really got into Twitter just in the past year, I guess. And um, it what I find interesting about Twitter is you can you can get access to content much easier. Like the timeline, they figured out timeline perfectly, I think. Instagram is still confusing as hell. Facebook is horrible at it. Um, I just think that Twitter has has the, the timeline done great because it's compact and it's 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 just right there. And uh, I I found the most value in terms of what I get from social media from Twitter as opposed to Facebook. The only reason I have a Facebook now is just to stay in touch with family. Oh like, yeah, yeah, of course. You know, yeah. I, I don't I don't really like promoting stuff on Facebook or anything, but I use a lot of um, alternative social media even though it's not really popular, it's not mainstream, but I, I prefer to use alternative social media. Twitter's, Twitter's probably the most mainstream social media that I'll promote my stuff on, but I, I usually use it just to sort of keep up with what's going on in the world. And sometimes I, I'll take a break from just news because as an American, I get tired of hearing about Trump bullshit all the time. So um, I, I just don't care anymore. Um, I took like a week off and it was so nice not to hear about Trump for a week. And then <laughs> I get back into the like, orange oh, man on your Twitter. Same feed. <laughs> shit again. And I'm like, okay, I know yeah. why I took a break. So, you know, well, there's a lot of money in hating Trump. So that's probably yeah. why it exists. And, you know, to be honest, you're right. I mean, either there people there are people out, especially on YouTube too. There are people that are pro-Trump and people who are anti-Trump, and it's like, okay, that's your that's your thing. You get you get viewers, you got your your audience, but yeah. And but I will say this: it doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on. I think everyone has a right to speak what they believe, and. Mm. Um, I'm, this might be a really unpopular opinion, but the the no, whole uh, Alex Jones thing, I think it's it's a dangerous precedent to set doing that. What 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 uh, the social media sites did to him because, like, I don't agree with him. I think he's a lunatic. But if you silence people who you disagree with, that sets a sets a precedent later on where it could come back and bite you in the ass too. You know, so you you got to be careful what you do with that. That's just my take on it. Didn't yeah, no. derail that conversation, but uh, that that's that's where it led me to. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. Well, I mean, uh, that's it's it's uh well, well. The interesting thing about that though yeah. is, it seems like I don't really think that's like the first precedent of like somebody like where a big company like YouTube or Twitter where they just remove someone. I mean, I mean, maybe it's the first precedent where like a big name gets removed. Like, yeah. you remember that Reply Girl stuff? Do you remember that on YouTube? Uh, no, um, I, I'm, I'm actually not familiar with that. What, what was it? Reply that? Girl was like this girl with like this low cut dress and like her boob sticking out. Well, not actual sticking out, but like just her cleavage was showing. Mm. And she'd reply to all these people, right? You know, it was just spam, basically. 
Right. And YouTube kind of just, you know, they took the axe and they, they axed that out. I mean, another example is like how you remember, the, you remember Elsa gate that happened more, oh, yeah. more recently. Yeah. Like that's, all that's those another weird YouTube video. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That see, I'm, I'm not sure about that because, you know, I, I, I run a kid's, a kid's English school and we have, you know, sometimes we have YouTube songs playing in the background and I notice one of those weird <laughs> videos pop up. I'm like, no, I'm that out off the TV. Cause it's, it's so weird because like it starts off pretty innocently. Yeah. And then yeah, it does more bizarre. And it's just, and even the kids were just like, you know, saying like, this is gross. This is weird. And I'm like, yeah, I agree. I'm going to turn this off, you know? So it's uh it it's it's weird. I don't know whether YouTube should ban that or not because Well they totally did. I mean like they want yeah. they want like balls out like trying to get rid of that stuff. Yeah. Which if it's spam and it's made by bots mm -hmm. and and such, then yeah, get rid of it because it's not a it's not a human being. But Well some of that's automation. You yeah, it, but if there's no actual crime committed, then you can't really say. But then again, you know, people say, well, yeah, these social media sites are private companies. Mm -hmm. So they have a right to do what they want. And I agree with that. You're right. They do have a right. But um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a man, I'm a man of principles, I guess. And I, I just think free speech is one of the most fundamental principles that all human beings have. And even if I completely 100% disagree with something that someone says, I'll 100% support them in their right to express that opinion. That's just where I stand on it. But it gets right. to a weird area when you get these like videos that target children. You know, that's uh, that that starts <laughs> that starts uh, upsetting me a bit. And I'm like, okay, well, has there any been any crime committed against the kids? No. Well. As much as I don't like it, you know, you gotta. Right. I mean, you know, you know, Fight Club, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, I, to me, like some of that Elsa Gate stuff, it seemed like you at first you're thinking, oh, this is like Tyler Durden bullshit, you know, mm -hmm. like kind of slipping in, you know, X rated movies into kids' programs or something, right? But That's then. has been going on forever, though. Ren and Stimpy, yeah. you know, like Rocco's yeah, Modern Life. I'm not saying that that's what this is. I'm saying yeah. what's creepy about this is that it's automated. And it's ah. just like, it's, I don't know, it kind of like makes my head spin when I think about it. Because it's like, basically, these videos were created only because of SEOs, um, search engine optimization, like certain keywords that they knew kids were clicking on. So, Matt, so instantly, these SEO tags somehow these people they bought into like google adwords and they figured out that these certain tags were popular with kids videos and so they started mixing them all in together <laughs> yeah that it, it's bizarre. really bizarre you're right it's real bizarre and part of me finds it upsetting but another part of me is really fascinated with where ai is going in that respect and i'm and i'm thinking it's it's as weird as it is that's kind of fascinating that AI has evolved to do something like that, you know, and it's, it's almost a little bit creepy of where that sort of AI can go in the future, you know? 
Yeah, it really is. I mean, <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure what where where it's going to be in like the next ten years, but it would be interesting. Yeah, man. Just looking back, you know, I think ten years ago is not that long ago. But in terms of the internet, you got to you got to look like Facebook was just starting to boom ten years ago. Twitter mm. was very in its infancy. Yeah, you know, like, no, no one like anyone knew about Twitter. Yeah. When did Instagram? Come out? I don't even remember when that came out. But um, it's back when they had those shitty filters for all of them. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, and just, was it ten years ago when iPhones started coming out? So just in ten years, things have radically changed so yeah. much, and it's um, it's hard to imagine how, at the pace that it's going. What ten years from now, what the what everything's going to be like, you know. So um, it's both interesting, fascinating, but also a little scary if if you're not sure where it's headed, you know. Well, I mean, one of the interesting things is like with uh, uh, like with Twitter, like when Twitter and YouTube were created, I have this impression because I don't know. I guess call this conspiracy, but basically, when these things were made, the creators had no idea what it is and what it, they wanted to make with it. Because I, I get this impression, like, even the... I remember reading something from the CEO of Twitter and him, like, trying to tweet to, like, understand, like, so is this how I use this? <laughs> I bought some milk. Hashtag delicious. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, that's how a lot of things are, man, at the very beginning, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and and starting, starting, a, um, starting a business, you, in the first couple of years, it's pivotal. You, you don't really know where you're going with it. It's imagine yeah, like you're steering a ship in uncharted waters mm -hmm. and you're not sure if taking this direction or that direction is the right way to go. Mm -hmm. But you just got to trust you, what information you have and your instincts pretty much. And sometimes it's not the right direction and sometimes it is. And it, that, that's how I liken early on in the business is, is like steering a ship into unknown waters is you just don't know where it's going to go or what's going to happen, how it's going to take off, you know? Yeah, that's true. I mean, whereas like something like Facebook, I have this idea that Mark Zuckerberg probably definitely had an idea where he was going, or at least that's my impression. I don't know. He seems that's robotic enough to be programmed to understand that. So <laughs> He likes to socially engineer people, so of course he... <laughs> Yeah, right. I'm not sure if he actually said that. I only heard that through the grapevine. Yeah, I, I, know, I know he called people who use Facebook Facebook dumb fucks. That's that's uh, <laughs> what I did not hear that, dude. He did. This was like way back in, I was years ago, but he um, <laughs> he basically said that uh, I forgot the entire conversation, but he basically said, yeah, they're dumb fucks. So yeah. Sorry, I, I just just to uh, just ask how are, how is your channel about language? I'm not I'm not. Oh, sure it's fine. No, no, that's no, fine. I mean, it's, it's rated E for explicit. Okay, <laughs> not, not all right. For every... Yeah, my, mine mine's an open book, so you're you're free to say what yeah, you want. But, um, I just wasn't sure about yours, but no, no. I mean, I mean, I pref I don't like censorship. I'm not a fan of censorship either. Okay. Actually, I kind of wanted to talk about the Alex Jones thing, but you're going to talk about it anyway. Um, yeah. yeah. No, what I kind of my take about that is uh, a lot of what happened behind... I think what the problem is, is we don't really know exactly what happened because most of these companies, they didn't really tell us why they were doing it, you know, why they were dropping Alex Jones. 
Mm. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you watch Philip DeFranco, but I watch him every day now. Uh, he made a really good point. He was saying that Twitter does, they have like guidelines and rules and regulations, but they don't like point at a video or like an example of saying, see, don't do this, you know? So it's, it's very confusing when they do something like this. And I think maybe that probably Twitter and Facebook, when they dropped Alex Jones, they were probably thinking like, well, we know this is going to be polarized, but we're going to do it anyway. You know, it'll make the news, but that's okay. I think well, it was very carefully orchestrated. Personally. Well, I'll, I'll give Twitter credit in some senses. They were the last to drop him because, you know, uh, Jack Dorsey, the CEO, he said, um, you know, Alex Jones hasn't actually violated any of our terms of service. If he were to do so, then we would take action. Well, apparently, that that? yeah, that's okay. what that's what he said when all these other sites dropped him. Um, apparently, he did. And what got him kicked off was uh, he, I don't know if it was the, where he confronted Mark Rubio uh, or, or oh, not. Yeah, I saw it, was, that. <laughs> it, was, it was that day is what he said that day. But I thought, what a strange, what a strange thing. What did he actually violate? What terms did he actually violate? And they said that he violated Twitter's terms of service for bullying or, or something like that. And I thought, mm, that's a, that's a, that could be interpreted many different ways. Um, I think they were just looking for an excuse, to be oh, honest yeah. with you. Um, yeah. But to me, all that does is like Alex Jones is like a dumpster fire, and banning him from all these things is just going to put more gasoline on top of it. You know? Maybe. So you, he's not going to go away. He's only going to become louder. And you think he'll find another uh, place to. Yes, I mean, he, I mean, what was it? His, um, his, his, uh, not his YouTube, whatever service that he offers on his website, his subscriptions shot up like by a million subscribers after he was banned. That's a lot. That's, I mean, that's, that's quite a lot. I wish I had that many subscribers, you know what I mean? But um, you just gotta, you gotta have a show where you just spout nonsense all day. Uh, about uh, inter- intergalactic child molesters and, and <laughs> turning frogs gay and yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, to be honest, I honestly think all that kind of nonsense is a, a show. He does; it's a character that he plays. I'm sure he believes Probably. a lot of the stuff that he says, but you know, a lot of it is theatrics. To be honest with you, um, but he has a loyal following, and just like. Just like Trump, the more you criticize it and the more you try and shut it up, the, the stronger his followers will become. And so you're just mm-hmm. enabling them to become more vocal, I think. So it's, it's very counterintuitive, very counterproductive what they're doing with this. And um, it's like also the Streisand effect. Have you heard about that? Yeah, it's for yeah. like she released her nudes and she didn't want anybody to know about her, or she didn't like people that that they're releasing her nudes and that they, so she went to court, but then like they backfired because yeah, it's uh, the same concept, but because I everybody I, I, I sure as hell hope Barbara Streisand didn't release any nude photos, but uh, I think no, it was, like there's some guy who's her. like trying to like he was threatening to release them, and then Barbara Streisand said, "Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna sue them that way they don't do it." 
but because she threatened to sue, that made the news. And so now everybody knows about that she has nude pictures. <laughs> well, whether it was nude pictures or not, the concept anyway, is... Saying, like, I like, like I said, having context, that's all. Yeah, yeah, like, like I said, I sure as hell hope there aren't any nude photos floating around <laughs> at Barbra Streisand, but, you know... I don't care, really. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not going to look them up. Um, yeah. But... If that's what she wants to do, more power to her. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's, 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 the same, it's the same concept, you know. Like, uh, if the more you try and shut something up, the more it's the the louder it's going to become. And that and that that's the thing, you know. Don't try and, especially with the internet now, don't try and shut up people you disagree with, or because they're just going to become louder and they're just going to dig in even more. I think, and you don't want that. You don't want the people who follow Alex Jones to become physically active. You know what I mean? Right. You don't want them to, 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 to lash out at people. Now yeah. he, he's gone on record saying to peacefully protest people. That's his words. So uh, he's not himself inciting violence, but who knows what some of the crazier people who are part of his audience will do, you know? Possibly, I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I mean, don't you think that a lot of like what went behind closed doors? I mean, the decision to get rid of him was probably a lot due to money. I'm Maybe. more interested in that, but I don't know. Yeah, well, uh, you know, then there's a lot of people who say he's a gatekeeper and he's sort of, uh, he's sort of in bed with all of them anyway. So, but you know, we could go down so many conspiracy rabbit holes if we wanted to, but <laughs> yeah, really sure. Yeah, I don't want this to be about the podcast about Alex Jones. So maybe I'll move yeah, on yeah. here. I mean, I don't yeah. know. I was only talking about J vlogging. And the thing about J vlogging, it seems like nowadays that um, everybody has to sort of follow some trend or mm. follow the news or follow whatever's big out there. What's yeah. the big, like, kind of, <laughs> the, I hate saying this, but like the trickle down, you have to catch up from like what the big people are dropping down and like hopefully you catch some views. Um, yeah, or it, what it reminds me of is when there was a lot of drama in 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 that community, and people would make videos about that, commenting about it. It's like you're just like a leech sucking onto trying, you know, onto something that's a topic that shouldn't even really be talked about because it should be personal business between people, but they've made it public on YouTube, you know, and you're just trying to siphon views off of it. Now, I, I'll admit, years ago, I made a few videos that would try and capitalize off of news that have happened or uh, I made a response video. Like, honestly, response videos, I have no problem with. If you have an opposing view to somebody, you should express it. Definitely. But to only make the video just to capitalize off of a pop, another popular video, mm -hmm. I think is, is a little bit, uh, that's, I don't really agree with that strategy. You know? Yeah. No, I mean, it just I guess recently, like with this show, I've been trying to like push it and get more, uh, more of a following, mm -hmm. uh, and like release something every week and and so on. That's good. Uh, man. Yeah. yeah, but I'm I'm starting to find out that like a lot of my friends and like people who do this YouTube thing, they all have to like kind of attach themselves to the bigger people in order to just get noticed. Like I have one friend who's an artist here in Japan, like, he does, like, comic books, right? He does, like, kind of manga stuff. Yeah. 
and at this like kind of it was all it was a he was a foreigner and there's this uh, manga i guess convention or something here in tokyo for all foreigners and the one the one manga that got the most attention that had the most people around the table was the manga for bart kira you know the mixture of bart simpson and uh akira okay. the the manga Actually, I, was thinking, I kind of enjoyed those a little bit, but yeah, that's just... <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying, it's like, it's name brand recognition. Yeah. You know, it's like, I hate it, but at the same time, I do think it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, because I like The Simpsons, and I like Akira, so it's like, mm, that's a good mashup, but it's not original, you know? Yeah, and I mean, like, you, you, I'm sitting here with, like, my friend, I could just reveal him. He's a friend of the show, Chris Carlier, he does the comic book called Life, uh, Little in Japan. Okay. Um, <laughs> I like the name though. That's good. Yeah, he was yeah. the sec he was the second guest on the show. It's actually one of the most watched episodes, only because it has a thumbnail of Hitomi Tanaka, if you know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> um anyway, because he met her and you got a picture taken with her. But anyway, long story short, um here we have we have somebody like who's doing something original, but nobody's paying attention to it. I mean, like maybe there's a few like walk by, like, hey, that's kind of cool, and then they, they like the title and then that's about it. Yeah, actually, though, I've, I'll, I have to admit, a guilty pleasure of mine is seeing YouTube dumpster fires or YouTube, like people who like ruin their lives on YouTube and they, they, <laughs> oh boy, catalog it. Like, there's yeah. a couple of examples I can give. One of them is in Japan. Uh, it's this, uh, this dude called like Hiding in My Room or something. Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah. I watched him. Yeah. He's, he's, <laughs> unintentionally hilarious I, I just love seeing how much he fucks up and uh, okay yeah um another one kind of, like i met this guy years ago before his youtube channel took off and if he kept doing what he was actually doing he that's fine and and, and cool but he took a weird turn and that's it's uh, not happy in japan is it no it was uh <laughs> nobita yeah, that's happy in Japan. Oh, is that happy in Japan? That's happy okay. In Japan. The guy I, thought, the that, I thought he was like, find your love in Japan. Did he yeah, change it? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Was it find yeah. your love in Japan? That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Find your love in Japan. Japan. I when I met him, he was really just interested in talking to foreigners about. He was just really. He seemed genuine about interested in talking to foreigners why they came here and and like trying to introduce people to you know, if they wanted to find a girlfriend or boyfriend or something, you know, like that sort of thing. And I'm like, okay, cool. That's, that's your, to me, he just seemed like he, he was trying to copy Yuta. Oh, um, that guy, Japanese Yuta did. Yeah. Man that that Japanese guy, Yuta. he seemed like he was trying to copy that style, but he did kind of make it his own in a, in a way. So that's cool. But then he started like going off the rails. I'm like, Oh shit, this guy's, gone full-blown like racist or something you know so <laughs> like what with dear black people and everything. yeah yeah like <laughs> makes the news and, he hates gays and black i don't know if he actually hates gays and blacks but he he seemed to make videos that painted himself in a very negative light in that regard and i just thought if you want views you're gonna get them you know so yeah i was wondering why he went that way too that was really weird <laughs> yeah and the the best one though He's he wasn't even even involved with Japan at all, but he was in Cambodia. There was a student named Nojo Coward that okay. moved to Cambodia to become a MMA fighter to like fight Muay Thai, and he trained for that. And he he was actually on Cambodian TV, and he fought a few fights and he lost. And he broke his hand in a fight, and then he couldn't afford 
to get his hand fixed. Mm-hmm. So instead, he got involved with like this crowd of people who, like, he got addicted to drugs, and then he like tried to commit suicide, and um, he dated a a transgender person in Cambodia and had okay. all that, and like it was just watching this guy fuck up his life and go down the road he did. It was just, I don't know. I find for some reason I find entertainment in these people, not the fact that it's bad things happening to him, but the fact that they feel like they can just put it out there. They're putting it out on YouTube for a reason. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You know? Maybe it's like, it's, it's like a tragedy or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. Like it's, it's kind of like, I know it's not, good but it's you know sort of like if you like um reality tv you know it's kind of trash tv but you still kind of enjoy it deep down as a guilty pleasure in a way so yeah that is true i mean there's a very amateur quality to youtube where you you see depictions of somebody's life being displayed sometimes real in real time uh and how they kind of change and what's what's also kind of weird about youtube is how like how people change to like fit certain platforms like for example you're probably a lot different than how it is you're on instagram like you probably take different kind of pictures you know or or like what you write on facebook might be different from what you write on twitter yeah yeah you're right i mean i'm more vocally outspoken on twitter because it's mostly word but instagram i keep it strictly to photos that i like taking in japan you know i don't Mm -hmm. i really don't do any anything else for my Instagram because for me that was the purpose of Instagram is to take pictures not to put memes up or anything so people do that and that's fine but that's Mm -hmm. just not what I use it for right I mean so you live in like the more natural rural Japan can't speak rural (laughs) Japan like a part like few people really see yeah, um, it's um the city I live in. Like I said, it's about five hundred thousand people, so it's not a small city. I guess mm-hmm. for Japan, it's a medium-sized city. But the prefecture I live in is quite rural. You're right. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of countryside here, and actually, one of the Japan's most famous World Heritage sites is just twenty-five kilometers from where I live, uh, Nikko. Super awesome place if you've never been. So. Uh yeah, I'm wait no, I don't think I've been to Nico. I went to Hakone, not Nico. Yeah, Hakone is in the opposite direction. Yeah, you 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 have to visit Nico at least once. It's um if you if you like history, if you like Japanese history, it's great, and it's just a beautiful beautiful place. So all right, yeah, I'll, mm. give, I'll give it I'll give it a try. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I guess my the rest of my question here is like. Are there any plans to show us more of rural Japan, like on your YouTube channel, like in the upcoming yeah. months? Or yeah, I'm, I mean, I had, as I, as I've said before, I had videos up showing that, but I um, I cleansed cleansed that for um, I had they my had like they had like a hundred k views and everything, right? Those video, the ones that actually showed rural Japan, did not. It, oh, the the okay. videos that I had quite a lot of views on where one was a tutorial video on how to use a a certain computer program. Oh, that's right. You're telling studying. me that. And mm-hmm. one was a response video where it was just me talking into the camera. So that didn't really show anything. 
the one I, I found the ones that where I was exploring out into the countryside and showing what I believe to be such beautiful nature didn't really get a lot of views. People didn't really care. And so what I'm, I'm kind of doing now is I, one of my buddies, he used to have a YouTube channel too, uh, Kevin Crocker. He, um, Okay, I think I know that guy. Yeah, he used to have a series called Kevin Crocker in Japan where that was hilarious. He would go to all these different rural spots like, um, you know, um, rivers, go swimming in rivers, go to certain shrines out in the countryside, um, open open uh, onsens that you can just free onsens that you can just go into, you know. Like he, and, But he would film in a way where it was like a document, like travel documentary, but he had the most vulgar and like fucked up sort of uh, commentary to it. And it, it was juxtaposed with beautiful scenery in Japan mixed with awesome, funny, hilarious, vulgar commentary. And it, it was just, it made for a very awesome combo. And his, his YouTube was, was awesome. And um, he, he showcased a lot of rural Japan and thing is, you know, for some reason people don't really seem to care. Those type of videos don't get clicks. People want to know about Tokyo and anime and manga and, you know, things like that, which, okay. But there's 95% of the people who YouTube out of Japan do that sort of thing. So you're not going to get anything new out of that. If you really want to see real Japan, not to say Tokyo is not real Japan, it's just a certain aspect of Japan. But if you want to see the rest of Japan, you got to look at other um, people on YouTube, smaller YouTubers. Um, I'll, I'll give some shout-outs now. Um, Kurt, well, he's not really small, but Kurt Bell is probably the biggest one that showed rural Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a guy called Dances with Cranes. His YouTube, he doesn't really have a lot of subscribers, but... That guy lives in rural Japan, and if you want to really see like festivals and things like that, check out his channel. Um, my buddy Graham Smith in Niigata, Voluntary Japan, he he does a lot of walk and talk videos as well. Um, his his topics aren't about Japan necessarily, but he shows the countryside where he lives. He lives in the countryside of Niigata uh, Prefecture, so you know. Smaller channels like that is where you're going to find real Japan, I think, you know, outside of Tokyo. Right, right, yeah. right. Um, okay. But long story short, sorry to uh, to go too long there. I, I will no, be no, putting no. up more um, more videos uh, related to um, areas outside of Tokyo. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, looking forward to it. I mean, I do. You had that one podcast about hiking in Japan where you talked about certain mountains you went on. I think that'd be very beneficial for somebody who's coming to Japan. Like, ah, what do I hike? You know, I only got one day, you know, what do I do? You know? Oh yeah. I, I actually, I was going to start a series of, um, documenting my accumulation of how many mountains I was climbing. Cause there's, there's the, there's a Hyakumeizan, which means hundred famous mountains in Japan. And mm. uh, my goal was to try and climb every single one of them. That's a hundred mountains. I didn't know how far I would get. I've climbed mm. about five or six of them so far. Yeah. So I still have a long way to go, but it's um, 
I did uh, document a few of those climbs on video. Nice. Yeah. All right. So what is it that you feel is a topic that often defines your channel on YouTube? Mm. Nature? Podcast? I would say anything and everything. Like, I, I don't really define my channel too much, but I would say the main theme that comes up a lot is helping people um, get to Japan in the sense of showing others who have come to Japan and have succeeded in Japan and have stuck it out and not left after a year or two and just sort of made their own way here. That's, um, that's, that's what I hope to do is inspire people to, if they want to come here, look at these guys. They've done it. And I, I try and show such a very an eclectic array of different people that have, right. that have come here and, and succeeded just to say, you know, they've all done the same thing. They're all very different people, but they've all done what you're thinking about. So what are you waiting for? Come and do it yourself. Make your own journey here, you know? Yeah, right, right. I mean, yeah, that's a good, that's a good message. I mean... I guess I, I've always like considered my uh, my position on YouTube. I've actually given it a lot of thought recently, <laughs> last couple of days. Uh, I mean, I'm mostly going to focus on film and filmmaking because I mean that's part of what I like about doing YouTube, and I'll probably make a vlog about this at some point. But part of what I like about it is it gives me this opportunity to share things with people that mm -hmm. like, I mean, it's it's hard to even think about this, but there was a time when you couldn't share something with someone. You know, it's like, oh, I watched this guy stand up. He's so funny. Or I saw, I don't know, who's a famous comedian? Bill Burr. Mm -hmm. I saw Bill Burr. He was so funny. And like, nowadays you can just type in Bill Burr on Google and you can like watch his whole stand up or Netflix or whatever, right? Yeah. So I yeah. mean, today it's so, I mean, well back then, it was so cool to me that you could actually like put something on. I mean, nowadays it's even better, but you could put so much stuff on the internet. You could actually share it with someone. Yeah. Uh, and, and that kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier is, you know, the internet is such an awesome thing if used how you want it to, you know, because what, what I, the one thing I learned previously with my, YouTube channel before was there's there's an audience for everything. Mm -hmm. I didn't think at the time I didn't think what I was putting out was you know I liked it and, and I hoped other people liked it but then I started getting more and more subscribers and more views and I thought hey I'm just being me and people like that so there is an audience for everything out there so what what I, the best advice I give to people who want to put something out on the internet, whether YouTube or podcast or anything, is just be authentic and be yourself because you will find an audience if you just keep at it. You got to just keep doing it, you know? Indeed. Yeah. Um, all right. One thing I got to ask you. So, yeah. I mean, our audio listeners probably can't see this, but you have a huge Led Zeppelin poster behind you. I hey, do. I do. Zeppelin You're fan. the uh, second guest who has mentioned that poster. Thank you. It's, it's very apparent, so I make it very see it. I mean, it's very red and very black and very... And, that, and that's intentional because I, Led Zeppelin has been such a great influence in my life, so 
I've I've gone on many journeys with Led Zeppelin. Music, it, to me, music just um, it takes me to a different place, you know. And Led Zeppelin mm-hmm. has has a way of taking me to different places. I see a guitar sense. back there. Do you play too? I have. I haven't uh, picked it up recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I dabbled. I guess that's the closest I could get to it is dabble. But it's there for when I whenever I need to get back into it. And yeah. I will. It's just when I'm when I'm ready for it. He's there. So, so dab do you, dab. Yeah. Do you uh do you play any instruments at all? I don't. I used to I played the piano for like I was trying to teach myself for a while and I'm like, nah, I got better things to do. I'm not gonna <laughs> wish maybe I should go back to doing that. Well, it's kinda of fun. I mean yeah, it's like learning I mean, a language. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, like learning a language, there's it opens up so much it just opens up so much, you know, and for me, music, listening to music is such a wonderful thing. If I can not even create my own music, but just sing songs that I like through me. I mean, that just, to me, that, that sounds just very comforting, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't even, to me, it's it, playing, playing music wouldn't even be to, try and be successful or make money or anything. It would just be for my own personal entertainment, so to speak. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I'm out of questions. Uh, anything you want to ask me before we call it? Yeah, man. Call Um, it a podcast. Well, we've, we've been, we've been going at this for a little while, but, um, you've, uh, you've been here quite a long time. I'd like to ask what has been your biggest challenge? With living in Japan, the language, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably just the language. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes making friends, learning how, learning how to do Japan, mm. I mean, learning how to live in Japan is the biggest thing. I, I read this book one time about uh, living in China once. Yeah, they say imagine if like let's let's like talk about baseball, right? Like, imagine if, like, you can learn how to play baseball just by watching people play baseball. You don't need to learn, like, uh, words, quote-unquote. Maybe you need to understand, like, what's going on. You can hear certain sound cues, but eventually you'll figure out how to play baseball just from watching it and figuring out sound cues and everything. And that's kind of like what living in a foreign country is like. Sometimes you just get used to these cues and like hearing certain words and phrases and you understand the culture being like, if I use the metaphor of like baseball again, uh, you're just getting used to like what to do. Like, you know what to do when somebody throws a ball and then someone hits it. Right. Whereas like, I can't be playing football if I, uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm playing, if like everybody else is playing baseball, you know, Right, right. Yeah, you, gotta, you gotta kind of read the social cues and, and to see how to fit in. It's like um what's the saying, when in Rome do as the Romans do, you know? And this and especially in a culture like Japan where they really value conforming to the social norm, to the status quo, that's very important in this country. So anything that sticks out of that is, I mean, we already stick out as it is not being Japanese, but mm-hmm. I've, I've found the closer to being a Japanese person without being Japanese, they tend to accept most things 
Um, and, and actually, that's kind of the coolest position you can be in is have an understanding of the culture and the language, but still be non-Japanese because you understand what's going on, but you're not, you're not 100% expected to conform to Japanese societal norms. And that's you. You kind of find a really cool place to be in in that sense, because there's yeah, a lot of true. things Japanese people have to deal with in their own country that I find to be really stifling and and not very good. But I don't have to conform to that because I'm not Japanese and I'm not expected to. You know, so it's it's a little bit freeing in that sense. Yeah, I mean, you're given certain freedoms that like you wouldn't have in the Uni United States. You know. Yeah. Which I, and, which I, yeah. Well, I was going to say, and of course, you could just gaijin smash through things. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend that. Not not if you're new here. Um, I would say the longer you're here, you can skillfully gaijin smash where you know where to gaijin smash. And if you don't know what gaijin smash is, just figure it out on your own because I, I don't want to explain it. But <laughs> if you can skillfully gaijin smash, Google then it. then you're 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 in a good spot. You know. So. Uh, I guess so. I don't know. I mean, that's it's kind of taking advantage of your foreignness, but I guess you do you. And then I I, th I think the problem is, is if you, you keep on doing Gaijin Smash, eventually you're going to get caught or you're going to be, you're going to lose out on something. That's why I said skillfully do it. I wouldn't uh, recommend it to people who are unfamiliar with this skillful. country. Skillfully. If you're here for quite a long time, you know what you can and can't you know, culturally get away with. So um, that's why I say skillfully. It's not something that I would recommend. I mean, if you just go around just gaijin smashing everything, you're just going to be a, an asshole, you know? So um, don't do that. But there's certain areas where you can kind of use your foreignness to your advantage and it it won't ruffle too many feathers. So you'll be, you'll be cool with that. I did want to say, though. Yeah. I've been... I've been uh, admiring your Mr. Meeseeks t-shirt. So, oh, yeah. Yes. Rick and Morty. Yes. <laughs> if you're into that. Yeah, yeah. I've, I'm really, really excited to see that come back for a fourth season. So. Yeah, no, I'd like to see Mr. Meeseeks again on Rick and Morty. It's a great show. Yeah. It's, it's even funnier in Japanese if you ever watched it. Oh, man. I've never watched the Japanese audio for it, but that's, <laughs> that sounds like something I, I need to do. Uh, what is it? I mean, like Netflix has it. I have yep. an audio track. Um, so I, yeah, never think, actually... I never think to put shows like that in, in, in the audio format. I usually have it on the subtitles, like for my girlfriend to read, you know, mm. um, but I usually don't like dubs of, of things. But if if Rick and Morty can be funny in Japanese audio, then I'll, I might give it a try. It kind of reminds me of like I don't know if you ever watched The Simpsons in Japanese. Yes, I have. I actually that's one of the few du Japanese dubs that ha was done actually quite well. Yeah, yeah. Simpsons is hilarious in Japanese. Yeah, I, not. I mean, I don't know. Did you I watch would, anime when you're in the states? Not. Yes and no. My like, first one did you watch? I'll say this, when I very, very first started getting into Japanese culture is way, way back when, uh, well, I guess I watched, uh, what was it, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That was my first sort of foray into Japanese culture was, oh, ninjas and stuff like that, right? But then, yeah. do you remember the 
super, super early days of Cartoon Network when they would just show like Flintstones and Scooby-Doo and like really oh, old. Before Toonami. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Way before Toonami. Um, but it was back in 1993. I'm showing my age here. 1993. I was eight, I think. They showed three. They call it, They didn't even call it anime. They called it Japanese animation then. And okay. they, they had three movies that they played on Cartoon Network really late at night because they were mature movies. They were Vampire Hunter D, the original. Um, God, what were the other two? I remember this, actually. Yeah, Vampire Hunter D. I think Akira was one. And then they had a third one. But I remember staying up late one night to like three in the morning and watching Vampire Hunter D. And I just found it fascinating. I was like, that that looks nothing like animation that's in the US. And the mature aspect of it. And I, I was just like, wow, I was blown away by that. But I never really got into anime. Mm-hmm. Um, it just not my thing, you know. Um, I will say that when I moved to Japan, the first I, I read um, I read one manga series because at the time I was studying kanji and hiragana, and it was easy to read, and it was very casual Japanese, and that was the original Dragon Ball manga. Like, not Dragon Ball Z, but Dragon Ball. And I read through that twice. And I still have them, actually. I haven't sold them back yet. But after that, I never read any other manga. Or, um, I tried getting into, like, some Sengoku, like some uh, historical Japanese manga, but just I just couldn't get into it. So It takes a lot of patience. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And like I said, there's nothing wrong with it. If you like it, it's just... I. For me, that's just not my thing. I couldn't get into it. So, but it did. Reading Dragon Ball manga in Japanese did help my Japanese. So that was that was the extent for, of my anime and manga. Yeah, you learn a lot of onomatopoeia from manga. That's mm-hmm. definitely helpful. I mean, I read Blackjack. I just did that to practice Japanese. But mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah. if you for me, it was a tool to learn Japanese. I was entertained by it. So. You know, whatever. Um, I'll fully admit I enjoyed it, I, but I don't watch the, the anime or anything. Um, it's just I I can't. It doesn't keep my interest. I guess you know. I I like uh, I don't know. I mean, my interest. I like more slow burn type stuff. You know, like a, like a Breaking Bad or a, a a good. I like a good drama. You know, like a a or serious drama. Anime just moves too fast paced for me, and there's a lot of filler, so I, I don't really dig it. So Breaking Bad's pretty fast paced, though. I wouldn't say it that's started slow off slow. Though. It started off quite you slow. Think so? Yeah. In the okay. beginning, it did. It started picking up, but uh, Better Call Saul—that's a good slow burn. Yeah, I watched that show. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting a little bit off track. Yeah. Um, did you? Um, do you want to talk about any, anything else? No, I think that's about it. I mean, cool. unless. There's something you want to pick my brain about. <laughs> yeah, um, you're quite okay. I, I asked what your biggest challenge was. What yeah. motivated you to start your YouTube channel and podcast? Since you asked me uh, the same thing. Yeah, no, I mean the first thing was the reason why I started it was number one. My goal was to 
send something to my friends and family, mm -hmm. basically just saying, hey, I'm alive and this is Japan. Check it out. And it Did was you around that after time. The, uh, the earthquake, the Tohoku earthquake. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I started in 2009, actually. Oh, OK, so before first, that then. Oh. Yeah, in January, actually. Yeah, when I first got here. Um, and there was a friend of mine who I was going to school with. Actually, I probably should start way before this. When I first started making, I don't know, when I when I was first coming to Japan, I found out about this school named Temple University, Japan, mm -hmm. TUJ as it's called. And if you type on the internet, there was a few people who were actually making vlogs. There was one guy named uh, Atomic Boy X. He also goes by FYI Tokyo uh, now. And then there was another guy named International Ace. And they both made blo uh, video blogs about how they're going to Temple University of Japan. And I kind of followed them for a little bit. And it was, I can't tell you how exciting it was, you know, seeing these people in the flesh, like in real life. It was like meeting a celebrity. Right. <laughs> um, and while meeting these celebrities at the school, one of them was it, uh, Greg, Atomic Boy X, now FYI Tokyo. Uh, he introduced me, says, hey, I'm going out to meet a bunch of YouTubers. I'm going to meet uh, my Argonauts, Cruxe, and Hiko Simon. I had no idea who these people were, right? Everybody knows Hiko Simon. If you don't know Hiko Simon, then you're invited to leave. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, no, Simon, so the, Hiko Simon's a cool dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I met up with these people and I, I was introduced to this whole world of like all these people, all these vloggers, yeah. like Hiko Simon, Gimme Breakman, TQ Sam, all these people. Mm -hmm. And it just it opened the doors like just me being able to meet all these new people and the goal for me at that point kind of became like wow i could i could make enough videos and i can meet enough people and i i won't ever feel like lonely you know quote mm. unquote in japan because that's like a big thing everybody always talks about being living in japan as foreigners is that the loneliness is real you know right, <laughs> right? so after a certain point i kind of plateaued it was like around 2011 I plateaued a bit because I met everybody and their YouTube was kind of at a weird state at 2011. They didn't really know what they wanted to be at that point. And then they opened up YouTube space and Ropongi and yeah, nothing happened for like a good couple of years. And then what's his name? Abroad in Japan came out and uh, I never really liked his videos because I always thought they were too polished or too well put together and they got all these views. Mm. I mean, I understand why he got the views, but it's to me, it's like, I don't want to watch this. It's too mainstream. Right. right. So and then more <clears throat> mainstream people started popping up again, like people like Charlotte in Japan and Rachel in June and uh, Tex in Tokyo and all. Maybe, maybe you're familiar with these names. I don't know. Um, and eventually they came out and then... I had more of an inspiration to start making content again when I started listening to podcasts. Yeah. You know, when it just like, it became something simple, like, oh, I watched Mad Men tonight, but I have nobody to talk to about it. And nobody's going to talk about it. <laughs> so I would just like type, go into like iTunes or YouTube and I type in like Mad Men or something, episode recap, and there'd be some people on the internet just talking about it. So that kind of rekindled my interest in YouTube and podcast, or I guess podcast is a new thing. No, everybody's making yeah. a podcast nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think 
to be honest, uh, podcasts have, for me, have been super inspirational too. Um, my dad was in radio for years and I never, I was always too young to, to really get into it when he was in radio, but my brother was in high school and he was put on the night shift at the local radio station where my dad managed. And, um, I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. He was the night DJ, you know? And then, uh, but I never really gave it thought, but I know I enjoyed listening to podcasts because my old job, especially before I got a car was biking. I would ride my bicycle eight kilometers one way to work and back. And I had a lot of time to kill. So I would, I would alternate between studying Japanese and listening to podcasts. And I just really got into podcasts. So I've accumulated, you know, 30, 40 different podcasts that I cycle through and, you know, nowadays, I back then, 2012, 2013, I would just listen to everything and anything I could get my hands on. Now, I'm really selective. I, I'm still subscribed to a lot of them, but I'd probably listen to just one or two a week that I really find interesting, I guess. So. Right, right. Yep, well, that's where we are today. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm hoping... Like you said, like the two things that are too polished and too mainstream just have no soul, I think, you know, they, they're just, they're, they're good. It's like really well made, but there's just no, no soul to it for me. That's, that's, that's the, uh, the word I like to use. Is, is that what I don't like about it? It has no soul. Maybe, maybe, maybe if it had, had it a little bit more, um, more, more of that smooth soul in there, but, uh, I don't know. But th- that's for me. That's for me. I, I I like really authentic sort of just people talking raw, unedited sort of chats. You know what I mean? So, yeah, no, that's yeah. it feels therapeutic in a way, or at least for me it does. Like sometimes yeah. I listen to the H3 podcast just to relax because I feel like I'm talking with my friends. They're hilarious, man. Uh, and they've had they've had guests on there that I thought that's such a weird guest for that show, but it works, you know? Yeah, so, right. Uh, yeah. It really is. Um, shit, what was I gonna say? Forgot was gonna, <laughs> forgot what I was gonna say. Yeah. Um. Oh, now I remember what I was gonna say. Um, did you ever see a movie called Amazon Women on the Moon or From the Moon? I've heard of it. I have not watched it yet, but it sounds like <laughs> they have this one. They have this one segment of called Black People Born with No Soul, right? <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just I had this part where they have David Allen Greer, a black guy, and he's like singing all these white people <laughs> songs. It just makes me think of that when you say YouTubers with no soul. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I mean, I, I hope you understand what I mean by that. No, I, I do 100 percent understand. It's just like it conjures up an idea in my mind of like people just making videos <laughs> for the sake of just making videos. You well, know? yeah, because that's that's what YouTube used to be when it started was just people engaging in this sort of thing, right? And then it mm-hmm. like YouTube really took off and companies started putting out their own YouTube channels and now it's just become really um, like a mainstream outlet. But um, podcasting, I, I still think, as much, as much mainstream podcasts that are out there, I still think it's sort of a little bit of the Wild West in terms of entertainment for the internet, you know? Cause oh, yeah. There, there really isn't like a precedent set for podcasts. It's still anything goes in terms of how the format is for podcasts. And, and I think that's really cool. 
you, the creative outlet is probably the best out there for content creation, I think, or is podcast form. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that definitely helps you build connections and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, by listening. Right, right. Well, Radri, it was uh, it was great talking to you. Thank you for having me on your show, and thanks for coming on mine. Yeah, definitely. It was fun. I mean, it's good to always... I like being interviewed and or talking to interviewers because, you know, they know how to ask questions, and they know what questions to ask. What... Yeah, well, I to be honest... I'm just going, I'm, I'm figuring all this out on my own as well. So that's part of the fun for me is, is learning as I go. And, uh, I also wanted to know, is that a Nico Nico Doga pillow behind you? It is, it is a Nico Nico Doga. I won this thing a long time ago, actually. <laughs> An event, and uh, not a vending machine. One of those UFO catchers. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like 2010, yeah. maybe 2009. Yeah. That is yeah. Nico which nobody really uses in Japan anymore. Not anymore, but that's how I got my first exposure to Simpsons Japanese dubs where it was Nico Nico Doga. But, oh, really? Yeah. I used to, I really liked their comment section for learning internet Japanese slang. Japanese internet yeah, slang. Yeah. It's definitely, that's definitely yeah, a good place to learn. That yeah. and like Nichanadu. But <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a whole other beast. But. That's, that's a whole other topic. So yeah. usually I finish off my shows. I, I always ask people I talk to just one thing they would like to leave off for the audience one thing they'd like to say and uh what would you like to to give to my audience and what would I like to give to your audience uh thank you for listening if you made it this far uh be sure to like all of Shay Roberts Lone Star Under the Rising Sun podcast goods buy his books or his book (laughs) Cheap plug, cheap plug. Um, yeah. yeah, cheap plug. Uh, write something in the comments saying about how he's the most smart and attractive man in the world. Not at all. Um, no, I oh. guess I, I guess it would just be in all seriousness. Uh, uh, what I would say is just plug my stuff. I guess. Um, all right, you've been listening to a live recording on YouTube. This is pro- we were trying to set up to get this to be on Streamlabs to make it look a little cooler, so you don't see that Google. Uh, watermark on the top right or not top right, top left hand corner. Hopefully next time we'll, this will be on slobs. Slobs. <laughs> yes. Uh, st- stream, what is it? Stream yeah, labs. Stream labs OBS. Open, open broadcast system or yeah. software. Is it software or system? It's one of those. System. All right. Yeah. Or I think it's no, I think it's software. Software. So hopefully next time it'll be all decked out and look really cool. Yeah. There'll be an intro and there'll be an outro. Nice um, little uh, subscriber pop up and donation and all that. Yeah. But um, also, too, even like when you were telling me to set up this thing before we started, the X split, maybe my, I see the watermarks showing up on your your end. Oh, really? X split yeah, wa- has the watermark on my end. Yeah, it does. I keep hmm. seeing it. It anyway. doesn't. Sh- it doesn't show up on my um, my other videos. That's weird. Maybe it's just a YouTube thing. Hmm. Maybe I don't okay. know. Uh, anyway, you know, hopefully it'll be set up next time because we were yeah. trying to figure that out, but we had some technical difficulties. Well, uh, yeah, like that's. To, I'd like to also say to uh, to check out all of your stuff. Uh, Why come Japan podcast? Correct. That's right. You yep. find it on yeah. iTunes. Give us five stars. Yes, yes, both of us. Please like our work. Um, 
please subscribe to Radri's YouTube channel. Uh, you're you're out on iTunes as well, so subscribe to him on iTunes if you're on the go. And is there any other social media or any sites that you'd like to promote? Yeah, that's it. I mean, I don't know. Okay. I mean, I kind it kind of feels shameless plugging this stuff, but I guess that's what you're supposed to do, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have what Twitter and YouTube or Twitter, YouTube, yeah. Instagram. You know, all, all the basic stuff. So just just it's look all for in him. The description below. Yeah, I'll have all of his links in my video below. So click on them. Enjoy. Check out his other podcast. You had uh, Simon, um, not Hiko Simon, but uh, the, the Simon other Simon. You know, yeah, the, the other Simon. Yeah, the uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Simon. Um, he has his own he has his own solo show now, right? He used to be he part of the three old. And, he used to be part of three old dudes. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Simon no Chanoma, Chanoma. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So check out check out that the last one that was good, and his show is on now, right? I guess we're. No, actually, he messaged me. This is the shitty thing. As uh, well, means well, he's not here, so I can say this. Uh, <laughs> um, he actually made a mistake, and the show's on Sunday, so we could have started at eight thirty, but that's okay. Okay, well, no worries. Uh, but yeah, he's he was always cool. I always enjoyed um, talking with him. So check out his show as well. Kind of not even involved with this episode, but check him out. But uh, yeah, um, I'll lead people to your your podcast and your channel. Be sure to check Radri out and also check out some of my previous podcasts too. I have some awesome guests. So lots of free entertainment for you all. I really, I really need an outro at this point. Cause like everything is just becomes awkward separation points. No, just, we'll just leave it at that. You, you could just end it with a giant loud fart sound and that would, that would work. Right. <laughs> I can always edit that in, you know, if you want yeah yeah so anyway man thanks for thanks for having me on and thanks for being on mine i appreciate it yeah oh uh, i guess next week on the why come japan show is victor also known as fox not gimme Breakman victor the other victor <laughs> maybe you wouldn't appreciate that moniker just victor kanto kitsune used to be on uh youtube a while ago this is, he's the instagram handle frame of travel he's a photographer on instagram Great guy. Be on the show next week. All right. Cool. Schedule will be out soon. Great. Thanks, man. Peace. All right. Catch you later, guys. Bye.